If you will this morning, turn with me in the Word of God to our text this morning in Colossians 3.11. Our focus will be on the latter part of the verse. I'll read the verse in its entirety. Colossians 3.11. Where there is neither Jew nor... There's neither Greek nor Jew, circumcision nor uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, bond nor free, but Christ is all and in all. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, how great Thou art, how loving Thou art, how faithful Thou art. I thank You, Lord, for bringing my family back this week to this place of worship. We pray, O oh Lord, in thy faithfulness that you would attend this time with power. O oh Lord, in our text today, we have the sum and substance of the entire gospel. That Christ is all. Lord, we need thee in this hour. We need the power of the Holy Spirit to teach us what that means. To teach us, Lord, what life is in Christ and what that means. Oh, Lord, may you attend this hour now. May you attend it with thy love. And may you speak to thy sheep and feed them, Lord, as only thou can. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Christ is all and in all. You know, that's quite a mouthful. We live in a society now when we see performers or people will stand up in front of others and and they'll say something and they'll drop the mic and they'll leave the room. I thought about that this morning when I read this text. It's one of those moments. It's one of those moments in the Word of God that is so clear and so plain, but yet so deep that we can't get there in and of ourselves. I mean, we can study the Word all day and all night, but unless the Holy Spirit comes and takes this text today, Christ is all and in all. Christ is all. And I put that forward to you this morning as we all sit in this room as professing Christians. Have you been brought to testify that this is your testimony? That Christ is all. He's all in your health. He's all in your salvation. He's all in your life. He's all the truth that you know. He's all the life that you know. He's all in all in everything that you do. Whether it be a vocation, whether it be instructing your children, whether it be in your quiet time, has Christ proven to you that He is all? And what does that mean? I think of this, when I, when I read a text like this, Christ is all, I ask the Lord to search me to reveal to me whether He really is all to me. How many buts and how many ifs and how many howevers are in my mind when people, or I hear that or I read that and say, well, Christ is all. Or somebody may want to lift me up and say, but Sean, Christ is all. And that thought in my mind, whether it's a trial I'm going through or a hardship or a very hard period in my life, yes, I know, but... But what about this? But Christ is all. The Apostle Paul said this in 2 Corinthians 11.1. 1. He said, Would to God you could bear with me a little in my folly, and indeed bear with me. This morning I asked for about five minutes. 
for you to bear with me for a moment. It's not something I don't think I've ever done, but I want to give you about five minutes of a testimony. A testimony of how Christ has proven this to me. When I was young, I was brought up in the Methodist church and I was brought up to love God, to love the Lord Jesus Christ. And I believe I did in whatever way I thought Jesus was or whoever he was. And, and then, as the Lord had brought me through that pilgrimage early in my life, later he would reveal to me the particular sovereign love of Christ and what grace is. And that was a whole new teaching to me and a whole new understanding of who Christ was. Christ was not an indiscriminate Lord who just died for everyone and then it was up to man to receive Him or to choose Him. And that was quite a revelation to me because up to that point, that's what I thought Christ was or who He was until the Lord brought me to this book. And I couldn't find in here where that was the case. I found a particular grace that only Christ could give. And so in my young days, in my, my zeal for the Lord, I sat in studies, I sat around tables, and we looked at confessions. We looked at these men that got around the Westminster Confession of Faith, and we looked at the London Baptist Confession, and we, we started to critique what others would see. And and who God was, and who Jesus was, and who the Scriptures were for, and what's the Trinity all about, and then what is, who is salvation to, and, and all of these little boxes. You just check them off as you went down. And I drank that stuff up in my early days, and, but the Lord was plowing me then. Something's missing. Something's missing in all of these studies, and something's missing in, in searching and searching for who God is. And so then the Lord would introduce the Reformed Baptist into my life. And I had a lot of uh, good reading and good time there and studying them, but they kept bringing me back to the responsibility of the creature. Something wouldn't sit right in my soul. I would read the Word of God and I'd see that He has done all for me and then I'm being told that I need to believe or I need to have a responsible part of me that does all these things that Christ has already done for me. And that caused me great trepidation. Not at the time, because at the time I thought that was the depth, the depth of the truth. But then on my journey, the Lord would take me to the Puritans, and for the first time in my life, I started reading what they said about sin in the Word of God, and that started to really give me pangs of consciousness, and sin was talked about so much and rightfully so I always made light of it up to that point in my life and the Lord used that to form an understanding of what I've been saved from at the time it was a great terror but I found great comfort with the Puritans because many of them would preach Christ but there was left something wanting again it was weighed in the balances and found wanting in my soul well what was it well, they would appeal a lot to the law. They would appeal a lot to the have to and the must to. And don't get me wrong. I believe the Lord preserved the people throughout all the ages, no, whatever denomination, I don't care about that. Christians who really loved the Lord Jesus Christ. And Christ was their life. And He preserved that truth throughout all the ages. 
And then after that, um, was introduced to the Baptist, and uh, and then as we, you know, there's but one thing the Lord showed me throughout all of it is there was a lot of men in my life, men instructing me, and it had its place. It really did, because what the Lord then would gravitate me to is to what He said to those men. And what the men said became less important to me. But what Christ revealed in the Word to what He said, who He said He was. And that's what I'm saying. That's what was missing throughout my journey all the way through the Lord had taken me up to the past few years of my life. There was always something missing. And Paul summed it up in our text. Christ is all. I remember a time that I was challenged by someone when I said that probably three or four years ago. I said, I believe Christ is everything in my life. And that person looked at me and they said, then you don't know Him. You can't possibly believe that you, rep- that you depend upon Christ to get up and brush your teeth, to get up and go to work to get up and to do whatever it is that you're called to do every day. You don't believe that's your duty? And I was pressed down and told that that was an awful thought to have and and I was told that that was wrong to think that Christ was in all, that He was in everything because He had His proper place and He's always had His proper place in religion. But this Bible is not religion. The Bible, the Lord said, Lo, I come in the volume that is written of me. He told to search the Scriptures, for they testify of me. And Jesus Christ has always, on the, in, the, in Hebrews 13.8, He tells us He was the same yesterday to the prophets. He was the same yesterday to Paul and John and James and Peter. He was the same yesterday to all of our brethren throughout all the ages. And He is the same today that He was to them then, to us. And as the younger ones in here have children, and we pray that the Lord preserves His His truth in them, and if they have generations after generations, Christ will be the same forever to them as He is to us, as He was to the saints of old. Christ is all, and He's in all. This Bible, this Word of God here is not a book of history. It is not of of theology to be studied as the Jews did, as the Pharisees did, to, to form a God that they could worship. Jesus said it, They that worship Me must worship Me in spirit and in truth. And that's what the world, most of the world is missing today. Christ is all. And if you're ashamed today to say that Christ is all in your life, then I would say to you, He hasn't revealed the depth of what that means. At one time, I was ashamed. I was ashamed to say that. I was ashamed to say, oh, that's right, Christ doesn't go to work with me. That's my work job. Or Christ isn't there. He's not carrying me through that. Or or it's wrong to say those things. But is it? Is Christ all? And I can't convince you of that. The Holy Spirit is that other comforter that comes and He teaches the child of God the things of Christ and says, 
Your life is hid in Christ. Your life is Christ. Christ is all. And He is in all. He's all concerning my soul. He's all concerning my life. As we were on vacation, we had this trial come up with our pet. And it was very difficult. Three days he spent in the hospital. Well, Christ had to show me at that moment that He was all. That He's sovereign over that. And as things would get very hard and tedious and and scary at times, the Lord was the peace. Is the peace. The Lord is all. Is He governing everything in your life? Is He reigning over every facet of your life? Is Christ all and in all? He's all in the knowledge of God. He's all. The knowledge of God begins in Christ. He is the knowledge of God. That's what Paul said. We have the mind of Christ. The mind of Christ must reveal to us who the Father is, who the Son is, who the Holy Ghost is. Oh, to have that mind where Christ is all. The Father gave Him the preeminence. He is all in worship. He is all to be believed. He's all to be loved. He's all in all. Christ is all and in all. These three words are the essence and substance of all true Christianity. Because all of those things that we mentioned and all the creeds and all the confessions, they move off of Christ. And they move on to the next point and the next point and the next theological point. But Christ will not move His people off of Him. He is their rock. He is their refuge. He is their salvation. They are founded upon Him. We have a few places to go this morning, so let's begin in John 1. And we'll see, Lord willing, this gospel truth that Christ is all and in all. We begin in John 1. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him. And, and, and that's what, I, what we're looking at here in the beginning of these three passages we'll go to is the Father has ordained that everything is given to His Son. All things were made by Him. Now we know that in the beginning the triune God made the heavens and the earth. But John is talking of preeminence. Christ has been given the title of Creator. Christ has been given, everything has been put under the title of Christ. He is all and in all. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life. We know that Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. As the true Christian is brought in Christ to see what life is, he reveals himself as life. That he is in every facet of his life. In his health, in his vocation, in his thoughts, in his meditations, in his studies. That's where, that's where the truth lies. 
Christ never leaves the child of God to look into truth without Him being the preeminent one in the truth. He is the truth. He is the way. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. That life of Christ is the light of every believer, of everyone in Christ. And the light shined in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. And it's amazing to me, as I said, the sum and substance of the entire gospel, Paul could say in these little words, Christ is all and in all. And yet man will argue, man will miss it, and man won't understand. And it's hard to understand. What does the totality of that mean? Christ is all. We explain it away so many times. I've explained it away so many times. But the Lord keeps bringing me back to what is truth. What is the truth? It is that He is all. He's in all. Turn with me now to Proverbs chapter 8. This chapter, of course, is what's called the wisdom chapter because it speaks of Christ's wisdom. But most importantly, what we'll look at this morning, it speaks of the eternality that is in Christ, that He that is Christ. Let's begin in verse 22. This is speaking prophetically of Christ. The Lord possessed me in the beginning of His way, before His works of old. I was set up from everlasting, from the beginning or ever the earth was. There was Christ. That's what I'm saying. He is all and in all. And He always has been since the beginning. There will be no change in that. When there were no depths, I was brought forth. When there were no fountains abounding with water. Before the mountains were settled, before the hills was I brought forth. While as yet he had not made the earth, nor the fields, nor the highest part of the dust of the world. When he prepared the heavens, I was there. When he set a compass upon the face of the depth, when he established the clouds above, when he strengthened the fountains of the deep, when he gave to the sea his decree that the water should not pass his commandment, when he appointed the foundations of the earth, then I was by him as one brought up with Him. And I was daily His delight, rejoicing always before Him. Now, once you see that, He has always been the delight of the Father. He has always been the one that the Father has given the preeminence to. But I want you to see the next verse. Rejoicing in the habitable part of His earth, and my delights were with the sons of men. That's union. That's what we have in this eternal Christ. Is that we have this relationship, this mediator, this intercessor, this one who is all to us, this one who joins us with the Father, this one who reveals the Father. He was one with Him from the beginning and He said when He came down to this earth, His delight was with the sons of men. Those are His people. That's His church. That's who his delights are with. He had a purpose to come and save his people from their sins. He had a purpose to come and to defeat the wicked one. He had a purpose to come and perform all things 
for salvation. Now turn with me over to Colossians 1, which is very close to our text, but Colossians 1, we couldn't speak about the preeminence of Christ without this passage that Paul wrote to Colossae in chapter 1. We'll just begin in 16. For by Him were all things created that are in heaven, that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things. You notice that little word is attached to Christ all the time. All things. All things were created by Him and for Him, for His glory. He that glorieth, let him glory in the Lord, the glory of the Lord in all that He has created. If Christ is all in all to you today, if Christ is all, and if He's in all in your life, then your desire will be all glory to go to Him for the one who has done it. The one who has performed all things for you. And He is before all things. There's that all word again. And by Him all things consist. What a sovereign Lord. What a powerful Lord. Power to create. Power to put down. Power to take up again. He is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things He might have the preeminence. All things. See, that gets back to our text this morning, that Christ is all. As we, as we leave this place, it's a little simpler when we're in this place and we're, we're listening to the preached Word and we've got our Bibles open and we can sit and smile that Christ is all. And then we'll open that door to go out to our cars and to go and back to the life that He has given us. And we'll start to become hardened or polluted by the world and we won't remember, we won't desire Christ to be all in everything. Christ to be all in my me as a husband. Christ to be all as me as a father. Christ to be all as me as a worker. Christ to be all in me as a person living on this earth. Christ is all. And to, and to have that spring forth from the soul to live every day in this life that Christ is everything. In all things He might have the preeminence. For it pleased the Father, 19, that in Him should all fullness dwell. In Him, in Christ, all fullness dwells. The fullness of peace, the fullness of love, the fullness of rest, the fullness of deliverance, the fullness of the best friend, the, fu the fullness of the perfect husband, the perfect Mate, the perfect everything is in Christ. He is all, and He's in all. And having made peace through the blood of His cross, that's how He did it. He made peace with us and the Father through the blood of His cross, of the cross. He died that His blood would flow and cover the multitude of sins of His people. 
to reconcile all things unto himself. By him, I say, whether they be things in earth or things in heaven. He is the restitution of all things. He is the beginning and the end. He is the Alpha and the Omega. As I shared with you earlier in the sermon, too many times in my life, the Lord has always been characterized as a part of life. There was a, a time in my life I would have told you He was the central part of my ministry. And how erroneous that is. He should never be a central part. He should be the whole part. He is, the, he is worthy to be preached. Worthy to be taught. Worthy to be exalted. Because He's done it all. He is all and in all. He has always been salvation from the beginning. And from the beginning, even when Adam and Eve fell, in Genesis 3.15, we have, and I will put enmity between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed, and it shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. That was the salvation of Christ coming prophesied of that he would come to be the one to put the devil under his foot he would be the only one as we saw in our first parents they fell and not too many verses later in verse 21 we read unto adam also and to his wife did the lord god make coats of skins and clothe them you know what the significance of that is all throughout the Old Testament, we have these types and pictures of Christ. And that's where it began. It began with the Lord shedding blood. We had never had that anywhere in all of the Scriptures. We had never known that redemption must start with the shedding of blood. And the Lord took that animal. And He took the skin from that animal. And He clothed Adam and Eve and showed them that it's a righteousness that they don't have. They must be clothed with something to cover those sins. That's the gloriousness of the gospel. And from there we have the Noah's Ark and we have the rainbow and we have all the types of Christ's salvation throughout the beginning to the end. He is everywhere. He is everywhere throughout every page of this written word. But yet we try to compartmentalize and say, no, this is where the law is. This is well, what is the law for? What purpose did the law have? But to bring us to Christ. Matthew 1.21 tells us, And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. And that's when Christ came in but appeared to all of His saints before Him, showing them that salvation was in Him and Him alone. Redemption by His blood and His blood alone. It's what the Passover taught us. If you're not under the blood, judgment will not pass over your sins. Christ is the perfect Passover. He was the Lamb without spot. He was a sinless one. We have Jacob's ladder that showed us that Jesus was the mediator between 
man and the Father. One ladder being at the, one part of the ladder being at the top of heaven, and the other one touching the earth. And this ascending and descending is how the Lord comes and and joins our hand with the Father. That's what He does. He is all and in all. We saw in the in the tabernacle all the pieces, the showbread, the candlestick, the ark of the covenant, the mercy seat, all pointing to Christ. All that he is the bread of life. The manna raining down is a picture of Christ. We must feed upon him daily, not to take more, because we can't store up grace. We must live every day upon him and his mercies that are new each day. Christ is all. And you and I, the demeanor we have right now as we sit in this chair, it may change in an hour may change in two hours. But Christ never changes. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is the Lord who changes not. And all the prophets from Isaiah to Malachi, from the beginning to the end, spoke that Christ is all. And He's in all. And how worthy He is to be Exalted. But as I said, the law and the prophets, they spoke of him. Galatians 3.24 tells us, Wherefore, the law was our schoolmaster to bring us unto Christ. It could never bring us to Christ. The law could not reveal the necessity for Christ. It could just say, You sinned. You sinned. Christ must reveal that he is that sacrifice for that sin. The Holy Spirit must reveal to us what Christ has done to fulfill the law. That he is perfectly obedient. That that, that that robe that he puts upon us is wrought in his perfect obedience. I hope that that right there tells you and, and your soul right now is leaping that Christ is all in righteousness. He is all in the righteousness that I will be clothed in and it's all his. And I hope you've been proven that yours is filthy rags. Hebrews 10.1 tells us, For the law having a shadow of good things to come and not the very image of the things can never with those sacrifices which they offered year by year continually make the comers thereunto perfect. One sacrifice. One perfect sacrifice. And Romans 10.4 of course tells us Christ is the end of the law for righteousness. To everyone that believeth. Oh how do we believe. We believe by him. We believe because. It is the faith of the son of God. That he blesses his children with. We love because he first loved us. We have peace. Because he is the Lord of peace. All the prophets spoke of him. Acts 10.43 tells us. To him give all the prophets witness that through his name whosoever believeth in him shall receive remission of sins. The prophets all spoke of Christ being that perfect sacrifice. Christ is all and in all. Turn me over to Luke 24. I have a
couple more places to go. Now we know this by the two on the road to Emmaus. We know that this was after Christ was crucified. And let's just start in 25 when the Lord joined himself to him and he's walking with him. He said, Then he said unto them, O foolish, O fools, and slow of heart to believe. Does that categorize you this morning? It does me. I feel so foolish at times and so, so slow of heart to believe. It seems so easy to believe lies. It seems so easy to believe the deceiver. But it's not easy to rest. You must be made to lie down. Ought not Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into His glory? And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, He expounded unto them in all the Scriptures the things concerning Himself. Because see, that's what the Scriptures are, the things concerning Himself. And who else would be better to explain what they meant but the one that they were written about? Verse 44, He said unto them, These are the words which I spake unto you while I was yet with you, that all things must be fulfilled, which were written in the law of Moses and in the prophets and in the Psalms concerning me. Christ fulfilled it all. Then opened he their understanding that they might understand the Scriptures. You and I are the same way. We stand in need for Him to open our understanding. He is the key. He is the key that unlocks the Scriptures. He is Christ. Christ is all and in all. You may sit there and argue this morning that, that Christ isn't in all the Scriptures. Well, that's because He hadn't unlocked it to you. He hadn't. He's left you there to mine them on your own. And you won't find Him. But Christ is all and in all. Then opened He their understanding that they might understand the Scriptures. And He said unto them, Thus it is written, and thus it behooved Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day. And that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in His name among all nations beginning at Jerusalem. Oh, how precious it is that He has preached to us, that we have been preached to, the remission and repentance of sins. You know, I have seen man in this life, and I'm looking at myself first and foremost when I say this, we just don't repent. We don't. I've, I've, you know, if I had a dollar for every time I've heard that in my life when, when someone has said something to someone and said, aren't you sorry for that? And they say, what do I have to be sorry for? What do I have to repent of? What did I do wrong? What did I... It's a gift. Repentance is a gift. When the Lord comes and says, thou art the man, that's a gift to turn you away from your pride, to put down your pride, to say, you are the sinner. You are the one. That is wrong. And the beauty of that is he doesn't leave you there as he lifts you up and says, but you're forgiven. You're forgiven in me because Christ is all in forgiveness. And he's in all forgiveness.
He is all in the salvation of souls. Turn with me over to Ephesians 1. Ephesians 1 is um, very precious to us all, I know. The first 14 verses, though, are are very precious to us because the Trinity is, is laid out for us. The first six verses speak of what the Father has purposed in His Son. The 7 through 11 speak of what Christ has done for His people. And then 12 and 13, or shall I say 13 and 14, speak of what the Holy Spirit now has done on behalf. So looking at verse 1, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, to the saints which are at Ephesus and to the faithful in Christ Jesus, Grace be to you, and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. Remember, this is what He has planned and purposed in His Son. This is what the Father has planned and purposed in His Son. We have been blessed with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places places in Christ Jesus according as he has chosen us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and without blame before him in love see he's telling us the father's telling us Christ is all and in all having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself according to the good pleasure of his will Sovereignty. To the praise of the glory of His grace wherein He has made us accepted in the Beloved. See, that took man right out of it. I have made every one of my children accepted in Christ. I've made them that way. I have formed them for myself. I have purged them. I have taken away their sins. I have formed them. This is what I've done. To the praise of the glory of His grace wherein He has made us accepted in the Beloved. And now 7 through 12 we have what was purchased by the Son in whom we have redeemed through His blood the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of His grace. Do you see that? We are given forgiveness of sins according to the riches of His grace not according to how many times you come and ask for it. Not by some duty that you come and get on your knees and say, Oh God, forgive me. Not by some window you come and you confess your sins to another man. It's by His grace we are forgiven those sins according to the riches of His grace. And He manifests that forgiveness and repentance in His children. And He causes them to sorrow over the sin as the Holy Spirit convinces them of sin. And then he leads us to his righteousness. Wherein he has abounded toward us in all wisdom and prudence. Having made known unto us the mystery of his will. According to his good pleasure. Pleasure which he hath purposed in himself. In himself. Christ is all and in all. He's purposed it in himself. For you and I today. If Christ, if you be in Christ and Christ be in you, He is all. Every knee shall bow to that. 
that in the dispensation of the fullness of times he might gather together in one all things in Christ. There's that word again, all things. Both which are in heaven and which are on earth, even in him. In whom, Christ again, also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestinated according to the purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will that we should be to the praise of His glory who first trusted in Christ. He has purposed, He has purchased what He has been given by the Father to bring glory to the Father, to bring glory to the Son, and bring glory to the Holy Spirit as we see Him spoken of. In whom you also trusted, after that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after that ye believed, ye were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. That comforter who reveals Christ. The one who seals us up to Christ. The one who reveals to us that Christ is all and in all. Which is the earnest of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession unto the praise of His glory. He reveals the end of ourselves and the beginning of Christ in us, the hope of glory. He reveals to us the end of all creature knowledge and creature ability. And He reveals to us that Christ is all our strength. Christ is all of our wisdom. Christ is everything to us. And Christ is everything in us. And Christ is every acting, living faith in us he is the life he is the exercise of life in the child of God and finally where we'll end today I know we've been quite a few places but where we'll end is in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 remember our text this morning, Christ is all and in all. And I know that this word is exhaustive into what says Christ is, and I know I don't have enough hours or minutes or years to exhaust that. So may the Lord take that which He has provided today in His word, cause you a desire, a burning desire as those two on the road to Emmaus to go and to search the Scriptures to find out how Christ is all to you. He is all your salvation. He is all in everything. Find out what does that mean for me, Lord, as I walk from this place. We'll just begin in 23, but we preach Christ crucified. Unto the Jews a stumbling block, and unto the Greeks foolishness. But unto them which are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ is the power of God. And the wisdom of God. He is the wisdom of God. He is all knowledge. He is all power. He is all strength. Because the foolishness of God is wiser than men. And the weakness of God is stronger than men. And I've said it many times. There's no weakness. And there's no foolishness in God. But He is by showing comparison. That everything that you would call excellent in man is nowhere near where God is. Nowhere near to where the mind of Christ is. Nowhere near to what the glory of God is. 
For you, for you see your calling, brethren, how that not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise, and God has chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty. And base things of the world, and base things which are despised, hath God chosen. Yea, and things which are not, to bring to naught things that are, that no flesh should glory in His presence. He tells us why. I've chosen these things that no flesh, no man, shall glory in His presence. And then we have the two verses I wanted to focus on and leave you with this morning. But of Him are ye in Christ Jesus, who of God is made unto us wisdom, he has made unto us wisdom. We already looked at that in Proverbs 8. Paul said in Colossians 2, 3, he said, In whom are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Speaking of Christ. All wisdom and knowledge. But he's not just wisdom. He's our righteousness. We know Jeremiah wrote it in 23, 6. In his day shall Judah be saved and Israel shall dwell safely. And this is the name whereby he shall be called the Lord our righteousness. And I love to mention that, that ten chapters later, to the very verse, ten chapters later, she is called the Lord our righteousness. The church is called the Lord our righteousness because our righteousness is His. It's such a beautiful picture of that unity. It's such a beautiful picture of that union and the righteousness that Christ puts upon His church. He is our righteousness. For He has made Him, 2 Corinthians 5, 21, to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in Him. It's what He's done by His perfect obedience, by His laying down of His life, by His putting away of sin, and dying for sin. It's His righteousness. It's perfect without blemish. And sanctification. Oh yes, we're told to be holy as He is holy. How can that be but in Christ alone? 1 John 3, 9 says, Whosoever is born of God does not commit sin, for his seed remains in him. And he cannot sin because he's born of God. Christ in us, the new man, can never sin. Christ in us, the hope of glory, is the epitome of righteousness and holiness. It is His righteousness and His holiness. And we be, if we be in Christ, it is ours by vital union. And finally, redemption. We've been bought with a price. He has paid that debt. We have been redeemed from the curse of the law. We've been the law that said the wages of sin is death. But he has come with the gift of eternal life, which is only in him, only in Christ Jesus. Paul said in Colossians 1.14, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. He said it in Romans 3.25, being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. We started this message with Christ is all and in all. 
And I begged and I pleaded the Lord to reveal to everyone in this room what that means. In the totality, it's something, it, that one text right there in our text back in Colossians 3.11, Christ is all and in all. It's a text that grows with the child of God every day of his life. As we grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord, we learn that Christ is all. He's all. We think we know it now, but he will cause us every day of our life to depend upon him, to seek him, to desire him, to worship him, to love him. Christ is all and in all. Dear Heavenly Father, may you add thy power and thy clarity and thy truth, O Lord. Bring thy truth that you are all and in all to thy people this hour. For the praise and glory of thee. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.